Hi, friends, it's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warriors Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedar sinai for 31 years, more than 15,000 surgeries and growing. Wow. And I've been busy in the operating room. Cedars is closed to elective surgeries, but I've been working at a surgery center doing so many ACLs in skiers and in basketball players and martial artists and a lot of rotator cuffs as well not as much hip surgery but boy is there a backlog now can't wait till the hospital is open again but i've been enjoying being back in the operating room at the surgery center so much going on in the world the loss of the great hank aaron the loss of larry king and Steve Paulette's going to do a wonderful job of bringing back uh, shows we did as it relates to Larry King and Frank Sinatra. And Henry Aaron, I still have my 1968 Topps baseball card of Hank Aaron, who I remember my father glowingly talking about this great man who happened to be a baseball player and the dignity and class he held himself as he broke Babe Ruth's record. And there was my mother, God bless her, going, are you guys talking about Henry Aaron? I go, yes, mom, he's the greatest home run hitter ever. She goes, you know, Aaron is a Jewish name. I think he may be Jewish. I'm going, oh my God, here we go again. Hank Aaron is Jewish in the eyes of every Jewish mother. Thank you very much. Hilarious. I'm so excited for today's show because it's about my favorite topic my mouth is watering already, of pizza. I'm a pizzologist. You're a cardiologist, you know hearts. You're a neurologist, you know nerves. Well, I'm a pizzologist because I know pizza. But here's what's interesting. My guest today at 8.15 is a third generation pizza maker. Her family not only has been making pizza in LA the longest of anybody, they started in 1945. But what I find so endearing about Laura Montiglione, who's going to be calling in at 8.15, and her family, is that even though pizza originates in Naples, and then it becomes this star in New York, when in 1945 they decide to open up their pizzeria in the Valley, they don't try to duplicate New York pizza. They're not trying to make it round. It's amazing. It's called Baroni's, B-A-R-O-N-E-S. It's a rectangular shaped pizza because they make it in a pan. Now, why would they make pizza that's typically round in a rectangular pan? She's going to tell us, but I'll give you a hint because it fits into their oven better. And how they started is one of the great success stories here in Los Angeles. 
They decided to go their own way and success followed them by changing the shape. It made sense to them to make a round structure rectangular. And it made me think all week, you know how much I love the world of sports, the world of art and the world of surgery. Where do we see this Southern California changing the shape of your field, your world, leading to success? Because trust me, we're all going to have to do that to be successful. You're going to have to get out of your comfort zone, change the shape. So the Dodgers, the Dodgers in 1958 came to Los Angeles from Brooklyn. Everybody blames Walter O'Malley, the owner. How could you uproot the Dodgers from Brooklyn? They would so be loved in their area. The reason he did it was because of changing shape. It was because the stadium, Ebbets Field, was only 30,000 um, for attendance. And there was no parking. And he pleaded with the politicians, I need a dome. I need a different shape. I need to be able to have more people see the Dodgers. I've got a spot in Brooklyn, which, by the way, is now the Barclays Center. This is what a visionary Walter O'Malley was. But instead of having this trapezoidal shape of Ebbets Field, which limited how many fans could be in attendance and limited their parking, they only had 700 parking spots, Walter O'Malley says, you got to help me out here. So Robert Moses, the politician in New York, said, you can have Shea Stadium. They hadn't built it yet. He says, but you can have this area in Queens. And you're going to hear Tommy Lasorda go, Queens? We're not the Queens Dodgers. We're not the New York Dodgers. We're the Brooklyn Dodgers. Well, guess what? A 22-year-old city councilwoman named Roz Wyman said, I hear he's not happy. I hear Walter O'Malley wants to have a bigger state, a round stadium. He wants to change the shape of his stadium. She gets a hold of Ken Hahn, also a big shot in politics in LA, and says, Walter O'Malley, let's give him Chavez Ravine and he can build his round stadium instead of a trapezoid and double the number of fans in attendance and give him parking. That is actually the reason the Dodgers came. Wait till you hear these sound bites. Incredible. And what about in art where in art did a southern california dreamer change the world and become so successful by changing the shape of his field well he's still alive he's 95 years old his name is bruce myers what did bruce myers do he grew up in manhattan beach he's 95 so you can imagine when he's growing up he literally could take his car and drive it on the beach in Manhattan Beach whenever he felt like it. Because in those days, there's no restrictions. Bruce Myers invents the dune buggy. How does he do it? He was a boat builder. He knew how to build fiberglass. He wanted the engine in the back. He wanted to be air-cooled. This guy could do anything. But he said, I'm going to take the shape of a VW Beetle, which is round, like a New York pizza, and I'm gonna make it rectangular, but out of fiberglass. And he invents the mold out of fiberglass of the dune buggy and makes a kit out of it. Next thing you know, he invents the Baja 1000 and creates off-road racing. 
single-handedly. I did not know this story, but it's so endearing. He's a surfer. He's a beach guy. He's from Manhattan Beach. What he did to change the world. He's 95. You know why he's living so long? Because he's so happy with his life. His sound bites will blow you away as an old man taking us through the history of changing the shape of his field and changing the world for all of us. We're going to talk pizza, the Dodgers, dune buggies, and don't forget Clapper Vision. I want to talk about C.J. McCollum, who plays guard for the Portland Trailblazers. But he's out now for at least a month wearing a boot on his foot. What bone in his foot did he break? Remember this, 26 bones in the foot. He broke a bone in the middle of his foot at the top of the arch called the lateral cuneiform. You need a clap revision to understand why we got to shut him down for a month. It's a fascinating bone that creates the arch in your foot, but you'll need a clap revision. And I'll give you a hint. It involves a cell phone. Stay tuned for that. I'll open the clinic. 730, the number will be 877-710-ESPN. But Steve Paulette, let's get right into today's show about Southern California geniuses changing the shape that leading to their success. Let's go to Walter O'Malley, number one. While Brooklyn fans glowed with pride, O'Malley was considering the future. He wanted a new home for his team, but it wasn't clear exactly where home would be. While Gotham fiddled, L.A. let it be known that it lusted after a major league franchise. Suspense built over the next two seasons. You feel now that there's a good chance that your club is going to stay here in New York. Game, honestly, I haven't the biggest idea at this moment. We know that we have a fine proposition from Los Angeles, a sincere one. And Walter O'Malley is a New Yorker. He does not want to move, but he needs a different shape to succeed with the Dodgers, to grow the business, and New York would not budge. So in 1958, he's convinced, I'm going to move these guys. Number two. There's a great picture of O'Malley coming out to Los Angeles and seeing Chavez Ravine. And like Brigham Young, he goes, that's the place. He sees a ballpark. We found a site, we spent a great deal of money, and we built a magnificent ballpark, and the people love it. The move west was validated before the completion of Dodger Stadium in 1962. Four years earlier, in their inaugural season at the L.A. Coliseum, the Dodgers drew a million by July, passing Brooklyn's home attendance for the previous season. I gotta change the shape. That's how I'm going to get success. That's what Walter O'Malley is doing. He sees Chavez Ravine and immediately can envision a round way to see baseball. Instead of this trapezoidal, trapped Ebbets Field, he sees the expansion changing the shape of his stadium. Number three. Fewer suburbanites were willing to travel back into the deteriorating areas around Ebbets Field. Even in that championship season of 1955, average attendance was less than half of the park's capacity. There was urban blight. There was no parking at Ebbets Field. It was uh, very difficult 
chore to get there by car and park your car and come back and find that the tires had not been slashed or the uh, or the paint had not been scratched. And apropos to the great Hank Aaron passing, listen to Peter O'Malley, Walter O'Malley's son, talk about how the Braves moving from Boston to Milwaukee before they go to Atlanta, how changing the shape of their stadium led to tremendous success to the Braves organization. Peter O'Malley says, don't you think my father was paying attention to that? Number four. The Braves started it. Their relocation from Boston to Milwaukee in 1953 was the first shift of franchises in half a century. Milwaukee rolls out the red carpet for its new baseball team, the Braves. Owner Lou Perini says Boston was never like this. I think everyone in baseball saw the uh, wide acceptance by the Braves in Wisconsin. That got the attention of everyone in baseball. Including his father, Walter O'Malley, number five. If O'Malley took notice when Milwaukee successfully lured Lou Perini with the promise of a new ballpark, he must have been jolted out of his chair when the attendance numbers rolled in. The Braves' total 1952 home attendance in Boston was surpassed in Milwaukee's first 13 games. Milwaukee was joined two million people and we were lucky to draw a million and use them as an example. It was a financial reason. There's no doubt about it. No, I mean, there's nothing to be ashamed of. It was finances. The Braves' move to Milwaukee is critical in O'Malley's thinking because prior to that, replacing Ebbets Field was an idea. After the Braves' move, it's a necessity. Who knew that it was a 22-year-old woman, Roz Wyman, that was behind all this? Can you imagine? Good for her. As they say, you go, girlfriend. Listen to Roz Wyman. She's older. She's in her 80s now. But she'll tell the story herself about how she came up with this whole idea of taking the Dodgers from Brooklyn and bringing them to Los Angeles. Number six. Los Angeles officials made O'Malley an offer he couldn't refuse. Compliments of the youngest member of the city council. I ran for office in 1953. And I thought it would be a very good issue. So I checked off of my little 3x5 card, bring Major League Baseball to Los Angeles. Preferring to make a deal in New York, O'Malley balked at Rosalind Wyman's initial inquiry in 1955. But at the 1956 World Series in Brooklyn, an L.A. County supervisor, Kenneth Hahn, came calling. Mm, listen to this. Walter O'Malley's a businessman, and he sees... Well, I won't ruin it for you. Listen to this, number seven. He is so desperate for a team that he'll take the Washington Senators. O'Malley sees him talking to the owner of the Senators, looking down from his box at Ebbets Field. He writes out on a napkin, don't do anything until you talk to me. Hands it to an usher, hands it to Han. The Dodgers stopped in Los Angeles after the World Series in 1956 on their way to Japan. And Kenny Hahn takes O'Malley up in a helicopter and he shows O'Malley this land at Chavez Ravine. Ah, and now the dreamer, Walter O'Malley, envisioning the circular stadium, changing the shape of his stadium from Ebbets Field, a trapezoid, landlocked to 300 acres where he could build his round stadium. Number eight. 
And Walter understood by looking at that that you could use that contour of that land for a possible stadium. Then he showed some interest. With the city council set to offer O'Malley's 300 acres of prime real estate, Mayor Norris Paulson asked Wyman to get a commitment from the Dodgers owner. I said, Mr. O'Malley, we'd really like to know whether you will come if this vote is taken. And he said to me, I'm a New Yorker, and I would rather stay in New York if I can. Well, Roz Wyman did not relay that message and still had the vote done at the city council. What a shrewd 22-year-old girl she was. Number nine. The LA City Council votes to offer him everything he could have ever imagined. New York offers nothing, and he leaves. Well, if somebody offered you 300 acres in LA, what would you do? If I were one O'Malley, I'd do it tomorrow. Absolutely. LA totally outmaneuvered New York. They made O'Malley an offer that only a fool would have refused. Now listen to where they say Walter O'Malley is envisioning a dome stadium. Not only a round circle, but a dome. How far ahead of his time is he? This is his son, Peter O'Malley, describing it. Number 10. O'Malley needed to curry favor with Moses if he was to replace the antiquated Ebbets Field. In 1953, he envisioned a privately financed dome stadium at the corner of Atlantic and Flatbush Avenues. All the subways came there together with the Long Island Railroad so the people could come in from Nassau County, Suffolk County, as well as you could get there on any subway in the city of New York. It's perfect. Two major avenues run by it. So he sits down and very carefully writes a letter to Robert Moses. He goes, you condemn the land. I'll buy it at a reduced rate and I'll build a ballpark. And number 11. The biggest disappointment of his life was when his dream to build the Dome Stadium downtown did not happen. Only when that was proven to be politically impossible did he then look elsewhere. To underscore his threat to move the Dodgers, O'Malley scheduled seven home games in Jersey City for the 1956 and 57 seasons. Moses responded by offering to build O'Malley a municipal stadium, not in Brooklyn, but in Queens. And listen to Tommy Lasorda finally here saying, Queens, we're the Brooklyn Dodgers. We're not the New York Dodgers. Forget about it. Number 12. Moses wanted to build the park where the Shea Stadium is built today. And Mr. O'Malley says, hey, we're not the New York Dodgers. We are the Brooklyn Dodgers. Could you imagine uh, George Steinbrenner taking the Yankees out of New York? Uh, certainly not. I think the mayor and Robert Moses could not perceive of O'Malley moving and lowballed the offer. And the rest, as they say, is history. Walter O'Malley moved the Dodgers for one reason. He wanted a different shape for his stadium. New York won't do it, but L.A. did. What a story. Coming up next, where in art do you change the shape and create a revolution and success? The dune buggy, dune buggy the Morris Myers Mannix. Wait till you hear this story. It, it blew my mind. We'll get into it coming up next on the Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN.
good to be king, right, King James? Absolutely. And good to be courtly friends on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. I love it. Be treated like medical royalty with Clapper Vision. Feast like a monarch on Doc's delectable finds. There we go. And that far rockaway jester humor. <laughs> Search Weekend Warrior and click on Doc's regal picture. Cool. <laughs> Sound the trumpets. No cortisone, alchemy, or leeches here. Everything's good. Bow, curtsy, like or follow the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. That makes me happy. Cheers. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. At 42 years old, you know what your new nickname is for me? <laughs> start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. You're not Matthew from Santa Monica anymore. You're Mr. Preop. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Anybody Good job, Steve Paulette. We're playing a song that has a shape in it. Rectangles. Squares. That'll be the bumper music all show today. Shapes. Because that's what I want to talk about. And at 8.15, my guest, Laura Montiglione, whose family's been making rectangular-shaped pizza here in Los Angeles since 1945. Wow. And the success came. Not making something circular, typical pizza or round pie, but making it rectangular, doing it their own way with tremendous success. You know how much I love the world of art, sports, and surgery. Where in art did someone reject a circular round shape and make rectangular and led to success in their field, in the art world. The dune buggy, those colorful fiberglass devices. But in essence, the dreamer, the Walter O'Malley of art, the Baroni's pizza of art was Bruce Myers. And he invented the dune buggy. You gotta hear his story. A beach guy from Manhattan Beach in the early 60s looked at a VW Beetle and said, I'm going to use that chassis. I'm going to take the top off. I'm a boat builder. I work in fiberglass. I'm going to make a rectangular shape that looks so cool and can fly over the beach and the sand and the gravel and invents outdoor racing. Let's go to number nine. Bruce Myers dreamed up and produced these iconic dune buggies. His creation helped give birth to the sport of off-road racing and the Baja 1000. Myers' vehicles embodied the spirit of California in the 1960s. They were simple, inexpensive, colorful, and fun to drive. They caught on immediately. Magazines like Hot Rod featured the Manx on the cover, and Myers saw sales of his fiberglass-bodied cars soar. Number 10. The cars were a thrill to drive and handled like sports cars. They even won races like the Pikes Peak Hill Climb, beating much heavier Corvettes and Cobras to the top. The Manx's ride to the top is a remarkable story that started with Bruce Myers' love for adventure. 
it was nurtured on the beaches of Southern California. Flourished on the back roads and dirt trails of Baja California and would lead him to hero status among off-road adventurers around the world. People rode on the beach before in hot rods, but they could not get over sand dunes and rocks. You needed to be light, strong, fast, and why not be colorful? Air-cooled, engine in the back. What a dreamer, what a beautiful dreamer Bruce Myers is. Let's listen to number 11. The buggies were fun, but were heavy and crude and would sometimes get stuck in the sand. Bruce began work on an idea that would take the beach buggies to a new level, the Manx. He sketched out a sleek little roadster body that he knew he could make using the same fiberglass techniques he'd learned building boats. I could only see it in fiberglass, and I could only see it looking a certain way, and I hated the looks of all the others. I just despised what they were doing because they didn't have that sensibility, I guess. Can't blame them, just that I didn't like them. I liked their function, but I didn't like their looks. He was an artist and a dreamer. Number 12. The boat building taught me the technical, the fiberglass technical. It's, it certainly had a, a lot of knowledge about making plugs, surfaces, and perfect surfaces, beautiful surfaces, and then making molds of them and producing parts. Number 13. He decided to go with a VW engine and shortened chassis. He worked tirelessly on his new buggy. I spent a year and a half building this thing in my spare time. At first it was my spare time, then it became full on. But all that hours, thousands of hours, go into this thing that you don't know if it's gonna function and work, and yet people walk in and look at it and say, what a neat looking toy. Hmm. How did it do? From an emotional level, forget about a financial boom, he changed the life of so many people, and you have to listen to what his life became. What a joyous experience, families, people thanking him for changing their lives, number one. I guess it gives people a chance to have an adventure. I think that's really what it's all about. If you don't have an adventure in life, don't go to your grave without an adventure of some kind. And this is that possibility. It's a way of dreaming into the realities. Dreaming is where something starts, your hands make it become real, and then you go do it. And if you fail, so what? The whole thing was a piece of life that had some color, some excitement, some danger, all of which gives you a sense of pride. This is a 95-year-old man talking now about how he made other people have a richer life. But this next story, Listen to what he tells us, people stopping him on the street. Number two. Since I designed the Myers Manx 50 years ago or more, I've probably had that many men walk up to me to shake my hand. Dozens and dozens of, of men, fathers. They said, please, I want to shake your hand. What did I do? You provided something that saved my son from drugs. What? Next. Yeah, I could smell the grass being smoked in his bedroom, but he walks out and says, Dad, look at the bitchin' doom buggy in the magazine. Dad saw what he had to do. He went and bought a kit, went down and bought all the bits for the Volkswagen, 
and they started bonding. The bonding never stopped. The family got into it. The kids, everybody. Dad's long gone. The man, the kid is now 55 or 60 years old, and he's standing there saying, that's the buggy. I'll never sell it. What a love affair. What a cohesion of family values. What a, what a glue to bring people together. And just like New York City could not share in the dream that Walter O'Malley had, God knows the, the, the pushback the Baroni Pizzeria got in making rectangular pizza, everybody saying, how come it's not round? Because you're surrounded by people who don't see the beauty in changing a shape. The same thing happened to Bruce Mars. You think everybody embraced his dune buggy? No. Of all people, Volkswagen. He told people, go buy a Volkswagen Beetle and I'll show you how to take the top off and put this fiberglass rectangle on this round former Volkswagen Beetle. Hey guys, maybe you want to participate in off-road racing and be at the forefront of this. Just like Walter O'Malley asked the New York politicians, please let me build a dome stadium in Brooklyn. What did they say? Forget about it. No because they can't see what a dreamer sees. Number five. I want to say that Ed Perlman, at the beginning of the very first race, came to you and says, Bruce, he says, you, you're closer to Volkswagen than anybody because of what you do. You make dune buggies out of Volkswagens. He says, uh, why don't you go and see if you can hit them up for some contingency money, for race money, pot money. So we wrote a cunning letter, myself, my wife, my sales manager, and very pleasingly showed that the race is about to happen. Of the 68 cars, I think there's 50 of them that are Volkswagen-based. Next. So Volkswagen gets a lift out of this whole thing. And we had written this letter with great hope, pointing out that it's good for them, Volkswagen. Now, the, the letter went to Eaglewood Cliffs, New Jersey, and we got a response that was amazing. It said, if you in any way align us with a racing image, we will sue you. That was <laughs> 1967. Can you imagine? Idiots. Number seven. Forty years later, there's a celebration in Long Beach, and Sal Fish, who now runs the whole thing, is given $100,000 from Volkswagen for racing money, a pair of both a, a gasoline and a diesel uh, Touregs, and they took his old thing, which he loved, and restored it for him and handed it all to him. It was the gift of Volkswagen, after 40 years, reversing their thinking, apparently. Well, the Dodgers ain't moving back to Brooklyn, but damn, they must realize what they missed out on. And finally, number eight. Well, of course, I don't blame them too much. They're back in somewhere on the East Coast where you're, you're not aware of these things out in Southern California. And it, they finally awoke to it, obviously. So there was a complete turnaround in their attitude towards this racing image. Today, why not? Baja Bug is, are the easiest things to get into a racing with. There's a little Volkswagen, air-cooled Volkswagen. You, you mess around with it, they have a class 11. It's the largest class of all, and it's full of young boys. So what have we got? A love affair that's going on with these Volkswagens. Listen, I'm a New Yorker and I moved here. Southern California makes you a dreamer. Stay with the whole idea that you have. 
make pizza rectangular. Take the top off the Volkswagen and make from round a rectangular dune buggy and bring the Dodgers from Brooklyn to a circular stadium and change the world. Change the shape in your world. Go ahead, get out of your comfort zone. You'd be surprised. Success is on the other side. Damn Coming right. up next. That's right. Coming up next, I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. I want to talk about CJ McCollum, give you some clapper vision. And I also want to talk about how interesting it is when you rip your rotator cuff in your shoulder. Talk about shapes. The tears are not the same. And as a surgeon, I got to deal with the different shape of the tear and repair it differently. I'll explain more coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Outside of a small circle of friends. Get smart. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar sinai head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. What's the best medicine? Besides chicken soup, <laughs> vitamin C, <laughs> green tea, <Yeah>. prunes, <laughs> uh, yeah. shot whiskey, <laughs> not around here. What's the best medicine? I cannot wait. We call it clafter. <laughs> Dr. Clapper calls this guy. He says, I got bad news and I got worse news. Guy says, give me the bad news. Doctor says, you got 24 hours to live. The guy says, what could be worse than that? Doctor says, I've been trying to reach you since yesterday. <laughs> clafter. <laughs> Sedano, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. That's right. Mahalo. Aloha. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Ahui hoy. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. It's hip to be square. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Tip to be square. That's exactly right. Don't make your pizza round. Make it rectangular. That's the great idea of Baroni's Pizza. And at 8.15, we'll be talking to Laura about her family. She's third generation. And the genius idea of saying, no, we're not making it round like everybody else in New York. We're in Southern California. We're going to make it rectangular. Amazing. It's hip to be square. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to Tim. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hello. Jim. Thank you. My Hi, Jim. Uh, can you hear me? I can. How young are you, Jim, and what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm living in Rolling Hills Estates. I'm 63 years old. When's your birthday? Uh, September 5th, 57. I'm July 24th, 1957. So I'm about two months older than you. Isn't that amazing? You and I both wanted to be Jerry Mathers in Leave it to Beaver. Look what happened to us. I hear his big brother on that show doing that commercial for the (laughs) veterans every day. What do you do for a living? I teach people how to play golf. Oh, I love that. A lot of fun. Good for you. A lot of fun. 
Yeah, because you're teaching the impossible game. That's why. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> keeps me busy. Keeps me with it. It keeps you busy. So oh, oh, that's fantastic. How can I help you? What you do to yourself? Uh, I don't know how, but I have a tear in my bicep tendon, a slight tear, mm-hmm. and it and it uh, it doesn't hurt too bad. But I had an MRI, and they. Mm-hmm. They told me that there's no repairing it, but I heard your show with Andrew Wiggins and how his ligaments and his knee were repaired by just uh, putting it in a cast and waiting till it healed. Are there mm-hmm. ever any bicep tendon tears that heal with immobility, or do they always need an operation? They usually do not need an operation, but please, Jim, don't let someone talk you into a cortisone shot. That's the first thing they want to do. Have they stuck a needle into you yet? No, I was waiting to talk to you, and I can't believe I'm so lucky to talk to you. This is why. <laughs> do you listen to the show often? Yes. Fascinating. Stories are great. The music, <laughs> the background with the Stairway to Heaven was fun as heck the other day. Oh, Super show. there you go. The show is well, fantastic. Oh, well, you can thank Steve Paulette too, who helps with the sound bites and putting the whole show together. But uh, as my wife says, how could you be on the radio? You don't know anything about the radio business. But after 10 (laughs) years, I got to stop saying that because I must know something because there's lots of people like you out there. And what a joy it is for me to be able to share the knowledge that's in my head and to be able to connect the dots of the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery. So talk to me about your biceps are you having pain at the shoulder end of the biceps tendon or are you having pain at the elbow end of the biceps tendon the shoulder end okay that's the best place to have the problem jim because all right when we have trouble at the elbow end because each tendon and muscle remember has an origin where it starts and as an insertion where it ends so every muscle we talk about in our body has two ends, the top, the bottom, and sometimes it's upside down, but there's always a top and there's always a bottom. Bi means two, like a bicycle means two. Sep in Latin means head. There are two anchoring sites, two origins to the biceps muscle. One, the long head of the bicep goes in the front of the arm, and up and over the ball of the ball and socket joint, better known as the humeral head, and attaches to the top of the socket of the ball and socket joint. We call it the glenoid at the 12 o'clock position. If you think of the socket of the ball and socket joint of the shoulder as a clock, the long head of the biceps attaches at 12 o'clock, but there is a thicker, never tears, never frays, short head to the biceps tendon. There's another origin, another insertion site, except it's not off of the um, clock of the ball and socket joint. It's off of the shoulder blade itself, the short head of the biceps, and it attaches to the scapula, to the short head of the the short head of the biceps to a structure called the coracoid. It's in a different place and it never ruptures. 
The problem with the biceps is there is only one attachment site at the elbow. And when people tear that end of the biceps, which they often do, that one we have to fix. Because if you don't, ironically, you don't get weakness in flexing your elbow. You know what you get weakness in? Opening a door, grabbing a golf club, using a screwdriver. When you want to rotate your wrist and hand and rotate your forearm, it's the other end of the biceps that does that. It's called supination. So it's great that you didn't damage or have pain, injury at that end, the elbow end of the biceps. The long head of the biceps is a whole different animal. And you can get away with not even having it at all. John Elway won a Super Bowl. Brett Favre, these two giants, iconic quarterbacks, both have had complete ruptures of their long head of their biceps tendon. And guess what? They won Super Bowls because the short head of the biceps always still remains anchored. So you don't lose the other end. What you end up seeing cosmetically is a Popeye sign. It looks like it's more of a ball in your arm when you go and contract the muscle, but it's a cosmetic thing. It has nothing to do with strength. And you are right. You can not immobilize it to make it feel better, but actually this is where tremendous success can take place, Jim, with physical therapy. You be, be in the hands of someone terrific, close to your house. There are terrific physical therapists in your area. You get a good one. Not cortisone shots, not surgery, but being able to, and here's the visual, here's the clapper vision I want you to have, Jim. You right now have a blister, just like a blister in your hand. All those young golfers you train, they're not wearing a glove, and even with the glove, they'll keep doing your stroke over and over again. Guess what? They get a red, sore blister in the palm of their hand. But you know, after all these years teaching golf, you tell them, keep doing it. I know you got a blister because you know they're eventually going to get a callus in the palm of their hand and their pain will go away. I'm here to tell you, Jim, you've got a blister in your biceps tendon. If you do the right kind of exercise with a good physical therapist, you will make that biceps tendonitis blister into a callus and not need surgery. So getting you in touch with a good physical therapist, I'll give you a name of someone right now who I think is terrific. They're close to you. They're in El Segundo. Their name is Davis and DeRosa. They are a terrific physical therapy place that I send lots of patients to. So that's a name for you. But there may be someone closer to you. If you get frustrated, then you're more than welcome to come and see me and I can guide you. Um, but this is what I'd love you to do first. I hope that helps, Jim. Oh, my gosh, that is so interesting. Good. So you are a total stranger to me, Jim. What I want you to do is you find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. You got it. I have one question. If I over-exercise or over-physical therapy, can it break that or rupture, completely rupture that? It can, and I can fix it if it does that. But guess what will happen to you if you completely rupture it, Jim? You won't have pain anymore. That's many I know of one surgeon who did not want a shot, which was good, did not want to have surgery. You know what he did with his frayed biceps tendon, Jim? He went to the gym 
and picked up a 45-pound dumbbell and did curls nonstop until he intentionally ruptured the tendon. Intentionally. Guess what? His pain went away. So I'm not oh suggesting God. that for you. But you right, will, right, right. if you rupture it completely, you'll go, oh, my God, I don't have pain anymore. But let's try to treat this with therapy. Those, those two quarterbacks, exactly right. Yep, wow, look it up, you'll see. Oh, my gosh, that's wild. Hey, thank you so much. I will do something great for somebody, or at least one person. That's, it. that's all I ask, Jim, one at a time, one person at a time. God bless you, and thanks so much for checking in with us. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. Magandan Umaga. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Cells are just tiny people. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's the Yardbirds. The name of that song is The Shape of Things. That's what we're talking about today. The Shape of Things. From a dune buggy to a rectangular pizza to Ebbets Field in Brooklyn not being good enough as a stadium and the creation of Dodger Stadium. Walter O'Malley needed a different shape for the baseball team. The Shape of Things. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Last week, I felt terrible. I didn't take a single call. i got to make it up to you guys. So we're opening the phones, and there's plenty of clap revision to go around. Steve, who's next? Let's take someone. I want to do more of the clinic. Who do we got? Kevin. We'll talk to Kevin. Kevin, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Yo, yo, hey, what's up, yo? Oh, my gosh, I feel really cool right now. Thank you for choosing me. Uh, so, a pleasure, Kevin. Uh, How young are you? What do you do for a living? Yo, I'm a tax consultant. I'm 31. Where'd you go to high school? Villa Park High School. What does your father do for a living? My my father is a trash man. He he's a manager for 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 picking up trash, you know, in the neighborhood. That's fantastic. You are living the American dream, Kevin. Your dad must be so proud of you. I'm proud of you. I love that. Good for you, using your brain to make a living, even though there's nothing wrong with using your hands. One of the reasons I love being a surgeon 
is I get to use my brain and I get to use my hands. That to me is so rewarding. So good for you to go from your dad being a trash collector and you being a task consultant. I love it. How can I help you? What you do to yourself? Blessings, blessings, bomb blessings. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. I'm calling in because I'm very inspired today by uh, the conversations that uh, are, are transpiring in this uh, radio show. And um, so I'm calling because I have, a, I have two problems when I'm working out. One is um, uh, when I'm working on my left bicep, there's a there's like a vein that feels like it's going to rupture and then a vein that you see a vein that you see right underneath the skin yes so i'm here to tell you kevin you ain't gonna rupture that vein working out you could rupture a tendon or a muscle but the vein has nothing to do with it and it just means you're getting more blood supply from your artery as that builds up, your body needs to now drain the lactic acid. It's kind of like the carbon dioxide at the end of the engine on your car. You've got to get rid of it. In the case of a car, it goes into the air as a plume of smoke. Well, there's no smoke in your body. That plume of smoke is what's in the vein. So the more you're asking for oxygen to your muscles so they can burn the exhaust, the carbon dioxide, that black smoke that's in a car, that's lactic acid, and your body has to drain it. How does it drain it? With a vein. So don't worry about rupturing your vein. It means your exercise routine is doing what you're asking it to do, and be proud of the veins that are bulging in your arm, because it means you're exercising correctly. And at 31, I am not going to tell you not to do anything, because you're indestructible. When you get to be 63 like me, you're going to get something at Cedars-Sinai we call altacocoritis, which is everything's going to hurt the more you lift weights. But at 31, Kevin, enjoy the journey. Wow, wow, wow. This is incredible. I'm so happy to speak to be speaking with you and uh, having this knowledge now, and I feel more confident. Good. Um, Keep it up, Kevin. Listen, when you have pain, pain is a sign to stop. If you have swelling in a joint, it's time to stop. And if there's a deformity to the angle of the joint, it's time to stop. But if it makes noise, people always say cracking your knuckles is damaging. No, it's not. It's nitrogen bubbles in the synovial fluid that are bursting. Noise alone emanating from any joint, noise alone is never a problem. Bulging veins, not a problem. So some things are a sign of a problem. Those two things are not. Noisy joints, cracking, and making veins pop up, do not worry. What's your other question? Oh, wow. I'm just going to say now that I feel way more confident going into this gym now and then doing, the, doing my bicep workouts, you know? Cool. Um, uh, so also, too, uh, now, we're, now that we're on the topic of joints, um, so when I'm, doing, when I'm doing, usually when I'm on the fly machine, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I stretch my and I you know and I stretch my my chest and my biceps and you know forearm mm-hmm. and the whole thing. Um, there's a little crack kind of on the top of and in, in between my shoulder and uh, let me see like like my chest like in between my shoulder and my chest and it cracks. Mm-hmm. You know only on my right side and it feels like my it feels like my skeleton's like or like my joint is about to like like pop out or something. 
And so here's a clapper vision for you, Kevin. Your rib cage, your ribs are a lot like a yellow pencil. You know, there's an eraser at the end that's made of rubber, but the wooden part of the pencil, the yellow part, they're connected by a metal uh, sheath that wraps around the eraser that holds the eraser to the wooden pencil. Your rib is like that pencil. There is a rubber end to the rib, which is cartilage. The, the rib is not 100% bone, just like the pencil is not just wood. There's an eraser made of a, a, a rubbery material at the end. That's what your ribs are like. Yeah. And the connection is what you can cause to have trouble. You can dislocate the rib. You can actually have a separation of the cartilage and the bone. Trust me, you doing the flies is not making that happen. You have a noisy rib, that's fine. If it's painful, Kevin, then you got to stop. If it's just making noise, carry on. You're going to be fine. All right. And Kevin, you are a total stranger to me. I just helped you do me a favor. You you find a total stranger today in that gym of yours. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. Well, I appreciate the words of encouragement and also motivation. I will do so. And uh, you guys have a, a great day, blessed day, and thank you so much for taking my call. It's my pleasure, Kevin. God bless you and have a great day. All right, Warriors. Wow. I cannot wait till 8.15 to talk to Laura about her family, three generations of making rectangular pizza. And believe me, it, uh, I'm a New Yorker and I'm a snob about pizza. It does not taste like a New York slice of pizza. But you know what? It has its own deliciousness. It's so fantastic that they do something different. The crust is different. The cheese and the sauce is different. It's not to be compared to, what do they say, apples and oranges? Don't compare it to Village Pizza and Large Hunt. Don't compare it to La Monica's Sicilian slice of pizza that I love. It's different. But boy, is it delicious. Yeah. And we'll get into it at 8.15 with Laura. Before then, coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories. When you change the shape of your world, look for the success that will come. Get out of your comfort zone in sports, in art, and certainly in my world of surgery, as well as pizza. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. 